get a little more out of watching NBA games with Daily Fantasy. Every Larry Nance Jr. dunk, Lillard 3, or Zeller block means so much more when you're playing with DraftKings, the leader in one-day fantasy sports. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code TBPN to receive $200 in free bets when you place $1 bet on any football game. And get a free shot at a million top prize with your first deposit. That's promo code TBPN for a limited time, only at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Must be 21 or older, New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only. New customers only. Minimum $5 deposit and $1 wager required. One per customer. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in Indiana, 1-800-9-WITH-IT. Welcome back, Bucket Busters. I'm your host, Tim Johnson, and this is the Busted Bucket Podcast. Locally grown here in Portland, Oregon, the city of roses, city of bridges, stump town, PDX. This is a show dedicated to Rip City and everyone who loves Portland basketball. Joining me are my two co-hosts, Blazer Ben and the Rip City Encyclopedia, Eric Foster. Fellas, how we doing? As always, bingo, bango, bongo, Blazer fans. Man, I am just blessed to see another day. Right on, right on. Hey, guys, on this episode, we're going to welcome Eric Griffith from the Willamette Week and Blazer's Edge. Eric, thank you for joining the show. How's it going? Good. I am. Uh, I want to know, though, how I can take that title of Blazer's Encyclopedia. Ooh. <laughs> well, I'll tell you what. You can have the Rip City Encyclopedia moniker if you show up and show out against Eric. <laughs> we got a battle of the Eric's here tonight. Eric showdown. <laughs> I love it. So... So, fellas, uh, what we're going to do, obviously, we're going to interview you, Eric. You're going to join us for this. We're going to do we're going to talk about some the offseason moves or lack thereof, uh, the Nance and Derek Jones Jr. trade. And we, we play a little game at the end of this, Eric. I don't know if if uh, the encyclopedia told you, but we play a little game called props. And it's it's real simple. You'll love it or you won't. doesn't matter. Either you'll be back or you won't. <laughs> <laughs> But hey, uh, before we dive into the to the nitty gritty, we have uh, kind of an important question that we ask all of our guests that join, and that is, we need to know who you're taking between LeBron James and Michael Jordan. Um, so if you're going for like career, I would take LeBron because he like Jordan played a lot, but LeBron has an unreasonable amount of longevity. But if you want like single series, I think I go Jordan, but it's a very tough decision. Right on, right on. You know, I, I hate saying like, who's the greatest of all time because it kind of is like, it depends, right? Like, like it also depends on what generation you're from too, because like the three of us here are kind of diehard Jordans. Like we're gonna, I gotta be honest with you, man. We're gonna take Jordan in every except for ninety two. Except for ninety two. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, if we had Jordan, we we would have won, right? So, um, anyway. But no, you know what? What bugs me about it though is I, I appreciate like taking either one, but I see I see people who are like LeBron would have been screwed in the '90s, like he could not have stood up to that level of toughness, or like Jordan didn't have the shooting game to play now, like Steph Curry, and that is a load of BS because both of those guys would have dominated in either year, and so I, I hate that argument. I hate the argument that they were era dependent. Absolutely, and you know one of the one of the best uh, things I've heard about that argument is that. Um, both guys 
were at the top of the the list in their respective playing years like there was no one better and so like to have that goat debate it's kind of pointless because either one like like you said eric they would have dominated and like like fentress we had aaron fentress on the show a couple episodes ago and and he he said you know the thing about jordan he had the determination the drive like he had i mean if you want to call it a kobe mentality even though kobe probably took it from jordan um (laughs) (laughs) um, you know like he would have done whatever it took to to make sure he's successful if if he had to hoist up you know 100 threes a game he was going to hoist up 100 threes a game and and dominate you uh and and it's it's the same kind of goes for lebron you know i mean the guy's such a a freak athlete i mean he definitely would have dominated but alas it is time to get in to the meat and potatoes of this show Eric, hit him All right, man. So, Eric, you are a very vocal critic of Neil Olshay. Um, and you're a very prominent Twitter personality uh, amongst Blazer Twitter, you know, and NBA Twitter. I want to know what you think of this offseason. And do you feel like maybe he's made amends, so to speak, with some of his hesitancy in previous offseasons? to better the roster, balance the roster, and give Dame and Chauncey an opportunity to be competitive in the Western Conference? Um, not really. I think I, I see this, like, and this this is the classic Olshay thing. Like, look at each move in a vacuum. It's probably fine. Like, trading for Larry Nance, solid trade. Like, that's the kind of thing you have to do to be competitive. Signing a couple of defensive-minded minimum salary guys, good move. Any individual move is totally defensible, and that's very common of Olshay. No one move is necessarily egregiously bad. But when you take a step back and look at the big picture, you still have to grapple with the fact that there's, you know, balance issues with the roster. There's still a lack of talent. He didn't use every tool at his disposal. So he did this year. He didn't use the minimum level exception or the, you know, the 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 um yeah that that. That exception that he could have used, which is the only way to sign taxpayer. Thank you, taxpayer exception, which is the only way to sign a non-minimum player. And so when you put all that together, it's kind of deflating, even though each individual move was positive. And you're a little bit different too, right? So we have we have guys on Twitter who talk about this stuff who are not necessarily Blazer fans. It's just their job to cover the team, so to speak. You are a diehard Trailblazer fan, so this you're invested in the success personally because you like watching this team. Is that right? That's correct, and I, I mean, that, and that's one of the reasons I'm so disappointed because I don't know, like my life is pretty average overall. We look at me just as a general person, and so I don't want to turn on the TV and watch an average damn sports team every <laughs> single year. You know, like I'm sitting here on the hamster wheel. I don't need a basketball team on the hamster wheel too. So then. I mean, I mean to give to give the franchise credit, they're slightly above average, right? I mean, they're making the playoffs. Yeah, and I, you know, I'm slightly, <laughs> I'm slightly above average too, but I'm not making a million dollars. So, <laughs> do you feel like 2019 was an aberration then? Um, I think 2019 was an aberration in two ways. Number one, that decision to pursue Rodney Hood and Enos Cantor um, at the expense of. Uh, like at a literal expense, like using all the tools at their disposal to improve the team in that one moment um, was kind of an aberration that I really liked. 
And then it was a bit of a fluke. You know, Maurice Harkless misses one three. Maurice Harkless, of all people, misses a corner three against the Lakers. And that team is possibly bounced in the first round. Instead, they get two very favorable matchups. They take care of business and they make the conference finals and then they just get absolutely manhandled. Um, so I don't necessarily think they were in a vacuum, the second best team in the Western Conference, but I think they were like in that argument of like the non-Golden State Warriors teams that year. Um, and so it's kind of a hard thing to evaluate because it came down to like just a lucky shot here and Anthony Simon's explosion there. Do you feel like Terry Stott's tenure should have maybe ended sooner had that not transpired the way it did? Um, I, I struggle with the Terry Stoss thing because I think he's fine. Um, I get why they needed to fire him because I, I see that maybe the team culture needed a little bit of a shakeup. Um, but to me, they've been treading water since probably 2017, and that's on, on the entire organization, Stotts, Olshay, Lillard to an extent, the ownership, and so forth. Well, and that's another question I was going to ask you, I mean, too. Go ahead, Tim. Well, I was going to say, but what about defensively? I mean, Stotts didn't really do much defensively. And then towards the end of his tenure here, I mean, he was, I mean, for for lack of a better explanation, he was pretty much non-creative in the offense. He kind of relied on Dame. He relied on CJ to, to create something. He played a lot of ISO ball. I'm just curious, like, I guess really what I'm what I'm thinking about is if Chauncey comes in with, you know, a defensive-minded coach, supposedly, and the team takes off. I mean, is that going to change your your take? Uh, I'll be shocked if that happens. <laughs> Honestly, I mean, they they might win it. You know, they, there's always that new coach bump, and so I'm sure they'll play harder on defense for 20 games. I'm sure maybe they'll start out better than they did, but um, I'll be pretty surprised if this team is substantially better. Um, like, I, I find that question. Like, I think we could talk an hour about that question you just asked because it's <laughs> it's incredibly loaded. Um, so stop. So so Stotts, to me, you have to remember these NBA coaches, they're not in charge of the team the way a college coach is. These guys are essentially project managers, and they are just trying to put players in a position where they'll succeed. And what we've seen for the last several years, and this is where I say like Lillard and the entire franchise are complicit as well, what we've seen in the last several years is this emphasis on offense above everything else. And the offense is absolutely deadly. It is not fun to watch. I think the aesthetics are just miserable of this team, but I think a lot of the critiques are overblown. Ball movement, no correlation to good offense. For example, they don't need to pass the ball. They have the second most efficient offense in NBA history. That's not the problem. They had the most efficient offense in the entire playoffs last year. They can score, they score really well. They don't need to worry about that. But I ask to what extent is the potency of the offense a result of sacrificing defensive intensity and so we've seen with Lillard and CJ they kind of I think about three years ago their defense started to improve right like they came into the league bottom tier defenders um, about the time that LaMarcus left they started to improve defensively we're starting to see like oh look these guys like they, they're not quite awful anymore and the last couple of years we've seen just a total like like Lillard especially they've basically just fallen on their faces and put forth very little like very little effort on defense. And I hate boiling defense down to effort, but to me, it's a clear sign that this franchise has decided we are going to put out the most efficient offense possible. We're gonna do the math and we're gonna have an offense that is an overwhelming math equation that you cannot keep up with. And we're gonna sacrifice all of the defense as a consequence. It's gonna make us look better because Lillard's, Lillard's gonna get more MVP votes because of his points per game. It's gonna help us win games. 
And I don't think Stotts is the only reason that happened. I'm sure he was complicit in that. And so if bringing in someone new moves that mindset a little bit, great. Um, but I want to see how much the offense suffers when they turn up the defense. I, I think that's a good point. Um, I guess my thought is that you say that, that we give up pretty much all of our defense in in response to what we're getting on the offensive end. But, I mean, flip that. You give up a little bit of the offense. Maybe Lillard doesn't score, you know, as much. Maybe he scores, you know, 25 a game. What does that look like on defense? And and really, like, the difference between being that bottom on the on that bottom rung on defense in the league versus, say, you know, an average league average defense. I mean, that's it's it's not even that much. I mean, really, you're talking about putting in a little bit of effort, and I think the team gets incredibly better. I personally, I mean, I, I think we have a better series against Denver. Um, I mean, granted, we can get into to playing the, the small ball with the three guard lineup. I mean, I'm not a big fan to tell you the truth, but I mean, that's still going to give them fits. But I, I think that with the defense you know improving i think that gives the blazers a better chance going forward i mean maybe i'm maybe i'm wrong maybe i'm in the minority here but um i i think that's probably personally i think um if chauncey delivers on what he's saying i think they're going to be a much better team than they were last year i i don't i mean i don't disagree like this is a better team than last year just by nature you swapped out Derek jones for someone who's actually good at in the nba um like like that that alone is, is a like strengthens their their depth but you're still looking at a team that's like excited about larry nance jr like you shouldn't be excited about him you should be like nice we got like a guy who can be an eighth man well, you should be saying finally right yeah exactly, exactly. well yeah i mean because who really let's take a look at their bench for a, a second and just you know ask the question collectively who is that sixth man? Is it Simons? Is it Nance? And if you look at those two guys, those guys are not eye-popping guys. Now, either one of those guys could have a breakout year, and I've I've already pegged Anthony Simons as a guy who potentially could be the guy that comes off and gives you 15, 16 points a game off the bench if he's utilized right. But you're, you're not getting a Jamal Crawford-type player, a guy that you know can step into the starting lineup at any point and be an instant contributor. And I think to a lot of blazer fans that's disheartening yeah and i I totally agree so i think i think when you look at the bench we spend a lot of time as blazers fans saying oh if anthony simons works out and oh this is like the year nasir little is going to break out like we go through this list of like if all these dominoes fall in succession it's gonna be a really good team and the teams that are actually good, you don't do that. They actually have a good bench. You don't say, well, if so-and-so turns out to be good, you say, oh, we have good players on the bench. So let's go back then to last year. It's it's widely known, pretty well accepted. Olshay has an opportunity to put a package together around C.J. McCollum for James Harden. It sounded like the way that it was being spun through the media that Neil Olshay is the guy who kind of balked at the price tag of Harden and didn't want to give up too much. How is that something that you can that, that you can attest to, or do you think you think it was Maury who told him to pound sand? Uh, I I have so just, or not Maury, you know, it's not Maury, right sorry, for, just Houston. No, yeah, I think it was Maury. One, didn't Maury trade Harden? Was this Maury's no. first year in Philadelphia? I think it was. I think you're right. So yeah. do you think Maury told uh, him either to way. pound sand? 
Um, so I, for the record, I have very few contacts. I like, I get, you know, whiffs of some insider information, but for the most part, I am more like you guys than, than Aaron Fentrist, for example. So everything I'm saying is my just reading of the Twitter tweets, like you guys, um, presumably, <laughs> yeah. unless you have some secret, Come like on, inside man. sources I'm unaware of. <laughs> <laughs> Give yourself a little more credit. <laughs> um, my kind of my, my fan reading of this is I don't think that was ever seriously, seriously on the table. And that's because we've seen that, that old, he's not trading CJ. Like if he's going to trade CJ. We'd have Jimmy Butler right now. So I, I just don't believe it was ever a real possibility. Okay. You know, being that we're talking about trading CJ, let's just, let's just dive into that wormhole. Um, there was a, there was a report that, um, you know, talking about, maybe moves that weren't made this offseason there was a report that uh pascal siakam may have been on the table for cj did you have any what are your thoughts on that i don't want to say insider knowledge but (laughs) what's your fan insider knowledge yeah well you know it was interesting because this year we didn't have to wait for free agency to open up and we were already getting leaks about how active old was but it fell through because of the other team which you know usually he waits until august 1st to to leak that kind of rumor yeah. to make us feel better this year. He just yeah. started up, you know. <laughs> so that's how I feel about that one. What moves could they make, do you think? I mean, and who's that centered around? Who could they move? You know, what makes this team a better team to you? Well, before we well, before we get there, let's get your thoughts on, the, on this three-guard lineup here. Like, do you think, I mean, the three, you know, quote-unquote undersized guards, is that is that even feasible? Um, I mean, for long-term success, like this season? I I don't think it's ideal. I think you could probably, like, catch the right matchup and make the Western Conference Finals again. Um, We saw those three guys play really well together. Some of their on-off numbers together are really solid. Um, I don't think you can look at their on-off numbers in isolation because it it does then underplay, like, what the sacrifices are in the rest of the rotation. Um, But I I think those three are fine together, and especially in the right matchups. they, They work really well. Um, and if you catch some breaks, you win a couple playoff series. I don't think they're beating any of the true elite teams in the NBA, though, and certainly not. You you really have to beat at least two elite teams in a seven-game series to win a championship. I don't think they're doing that just because of the lack of wing defense and the matchup problems that you run into when you're playing LeBron James and Paul George and Jimmy Butler and whoever else. Who do you have up top right now? I mean... Uh, I, I think the Nets are like if they if they stay healthy they just cakewalk. Um, they have too many too many literal MVPs on the on their roster. They run through LA, don't they? That's how I feel too. I think so. If if they're he- like if both teams are healthy, I think. I mean they they like they got Harden and Durant. They're arguably the two most skilled offensive players of the 21st century. Like, what do you do about that? One of that? the best ball handlers delivering them the pill. Yeah, it does, like they don't even need to play him. Like he could be a sixth man. That, like that's the insane thing like like what do you do your third best defenders guarding the best ball handler like arguably of the last like you know like arguably since like tim hardaway <laughs> what, what are you going to do with that and so the blazers are, like send in cj after kyrie irving in a seven game series that's not going to work i love that i love tim hardaway too one of my favorite players of all time uh <laughs> so going back to, going back to the encyclopedia's question. I got to start referring to you as the encyclopedia. That's people pressure, man. As, it's supposed to be which... just a nickname. And, and, well, it's not people are going to my... get confused as <laughs> people are going to get confused as to which Eric I'm talking to. <laughs> Wait, I want I want to hear what Ben has to think about all this. He's being real quiet, so I'm not I don't have a feel for him yet. What's going on with uh, with you? Ah, I'm good, man. I'm just you know absorbing, taking it all in, you know, getting that uh, fan insider information as you like to call it. 
you know, but I, I, I mean, just real quick. I mean, I, I did have one question. Do you feel that Terry Stotts lost control in the last two years? Um, I, yeah, I think the, I, I think the team did, you know, we're talking about how they were like making pretty clear sacrifices to have a really potent offense and it was affecting the defense. Um, I, I do think that there was a certain culture there um, that allows that to happen. I think we saw every year they start the season, you know, they're 16 and 14. Lillard has a nagging injury. We hear how there needs to, they need to play with some urgency. Last 20 games, they turn it up, blah, blah, blah. Like it's the same story every year. I think when you reach that level of redundancy, you have to do something. Easiest thing to do is fire the coach. So I really liked Terry. I think he probably could have like in the right team, he wins a champ, he could coach a championship. But also I get why it's time to to move on, but I, I have no illusion that a coaching change is sufficient to fix this team. What do you think of the Chauncey hire? I mean, I, I was uh, the the you know the the sexual assault allegations per like personally are a deal breaker for me. Um, I don't really I don't put a lot of stock in what coaches have said say during the offseason, but some of the stuff he says, if you like, you know, you start reading between the lines, he sounds like he's maybe someone who's a little skceptical of analytics and analytics have done a lot for the Portland Trailblazers. Just look at CJ McCollum stepping back two steps every time he shoots the ball and what it did for his efficiency last year. Um, so I worry that he's going to be an old school mentality coach like Doc Rivers, who may not be entirely ready to coach in the 21st century. What about Scotty Brooks coming as an assistant? I think that's, I mean, if like, if you really want to read between the lines, we heard Don Staley say that the team was not interested in the head coach who was, who was going to be doing X's and O's and was interested in the head coach who was going to manage the locker room when they interview her. That certainly seems what the, what happened. They're like, hey, Chauncey's Lillard's guy. If we bring Chauncey in, Lillard will listen to him. Let's bring in Chauncey and uh, we'll grab that guy over from Washington to do the X's and O's. It's kind of what I kind of see from the, you know, just reading the tea leaves. You know, I don't think that's a bad take, but I did derail Eric's question earlier. I believe he had asked you what moves you think that the Blazers should make or, or could make. I think, you know, if you, if you want to go all in, they need to trade CJ and some draft picks three years ago because they burnt, they wasted all their first round draft picks anyway. Um, and so you're sitting there and you could have had, you could have had a an all-star caliber player instead of cj and it would have had minimal effect on your roster building because the draft picks didn't end up amounting to much regardless um and so i kind of look back at that and say i i think the trade was obvious and i think it's probably too late at this point so i i'm very fatalistic about this season because it just seems like the same old story and and there's just too much smoke around Lillard right now for me to really be excited i think we're just killing time until he passes clyde on the all-time scoring list and hoping they win a playoff series. Now let's let's stop so, for just a sec because we talked about that, uh, or I'm sorry, well we you and I did kind of on Twitter earlier today. That's a big deal, right? I mean, there is a huge amount of personal pride for Lillard and his brand to go out there and do something spectacular, right? He wants to be one of those top tier players by the time that he retires. You said specifically look at how close he is basically to reaching that all-time scoring list uh, or for the Blazers being at the top of that scoring list you think that maybe he gets there and if the team's not in a position to compete at a level that you know is championship worthy that's the time that he decides to force his hand and depart Portland I would not be shocked. I think at this point he's hoping for that MVP 
and he you know he's he's a smart guy he must know the mvp is wide open right now because again we have that shortened off season so someone like harden who won the mvp who is who is historically an incredibly durable player he's gonna say again i bet you know what forget it i'm gonna i'm gonna sit out 40 games we're gonna coast to the number two seed and then we're gonna try to win some playoff series and he probably and like realistically like like let's be honest he's not the best basketball player in the nba but he could be the best nba player for a year because of the attrition at the top level where other guys are taking on load management and so i i kind of wonder like is this year about his brand is he trying to like making a last push for that mvp award and that last push to establish himself as the best blazer of all time and there's some kind of handshake deal where the blazer said you know it's, it's good for us you're going to sell a crap ton of tickets good for your brand and everyone's going to look much better if we try this for one more year. So let's do that. And then we'll, you know, we'll reassess. And that reassessment is probably a trade. I mean, if my, if my math is correct, he's about 1,200 points behind Clyde. And if you do the average for 82 games, that's 14 points a game. Barring injury, it's 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 his to have this year. Yeah, he's like if he averages 30 points a game, he's going to get it midseason. Um, and he he will likely get it before the trade deadline, um, which I think is something to, to put a pen oh, in. Um, yeah. So then I guess that begs the question, what can you, what do you think? Because when I look at the trade, if I say, okay, I'm looking at the team and I say, okay, Dame is the guy that's got to go. It's not going to be CJ. Lillard is the more sought after player. He's going to yield the largest return. If they're able to put together a package or I'm sorry, receive a package of multiple draft picks and maybe not a top tier all-star, but an all-star player in return that complements the current roster. Is there a possibility that the Blazers are better? Um, I don't think they're better. Um, Lillard's too good. I also, I think if you go, if you're to go on this rebuild route, you'd be kind of silly. Um, I guess not silly. You're, I mean, you're right. They have, they would still have a very good team, right? Like if they retain Nurkic and they CJ and Norm are under contract. So like, they and they if they bring in and like a like even a Ben Simmons type player like let's say that like you know something works out everything turns out okay for Philly and we wait 40 games Lillard passes Clyde and they work out some kind of trade that's still a pretty decent team um I don't know though like do like do they go full rebuild instead though do they also trade CJ for as many draft picks as they can get and they they spend a couple years trying to trying to start over or do they do they try to trade Lillard and hang on to those bottom playoff seeds and keep churning out you know seventh eighth seed appearances I don't know which way they go I know which way I want but I don't know which the ownership chooses I mean as a fan are you I mean what would you be happier with I mean would you would you want to see that fire sale yeah absolutely um because right now we're not we are way past the days of Shaq being traded for Karone Butler Lamar Odom and Brian Grant like, can you imagine <laughs> James Harden being traded for the three non-All-Stars and second-round draft pick now? Um, so I think the, if anything, players like Damon CJ are overvalued in trades, and so I think you take advantage of that immediately if you're the Blazers. How many first-round picks? Before someone figures How many first-round picks do you yeah. get for Damian Lillard? Uh, Harden got the maximum. L- literally, the like the Nets could not have sent an additional first-round pick. Um, and so, and and so, I think you look at that, and you look at Drew Holiday, who was like what, like three, three or four I think picks, three, yeah, yeah. And I think maybe a swap or something. And, and Lillard's clearly somewhere in between those two, um, probably closer. I don't know, like he, like he's somewhere in between there. So somewhere between all of the picks and four, 
Um, and that's, you know, it's not a bad haul, especially if you get like the equivalent of Christian Wood or whoever, like a competent player thrown right. in there. So you feel that if, if the ship doesn't sail the way it should be this season, that the possibility of like a OKC, a San Antonio, a Houston fire sale is going to happen and we'll just be in rebuilding years for the years to come, you think? I don't know. Um, I, I think it's a, I think it's a great that um, I forget. I think um, the encyclopedia said, you know, that's a, that's not a bad roster if you trade Dane. Like there's still talent on this team. There's still at least like four quality NBA starters. So it's not a team that by trading Dame is is in the bottom of the Western Conference. Like just by sheer incompetence of Minnesota and Sacramento, they will not be the worst team in the West unless they make like a serious fire sale. So I I, I just don't know how how hard they lean into that. Or if they decide they want to fight for playoff spots and keep selling playoff tickets. And I don't know if Neil I mean, does say that. You though. get you get you you trade you trade Damian for like a like a up and coming like a say uh, Anthony Edwards or something from Minnesota. You know, is that a viable option, you think? Do we want to take time to rebuild players again? I don't think I, Dame's going to Minnesota. Well, I'm just, that's just the one that came <laughs> to my head. Yeah. It could be, but, but that could be a three-way. Like, that's, that's the type of player you yeah. want in some kind of three-way right. trade or something. Yeah, Tim, a three-way. <laughs> um, you know, we, we briefly touched on it. Uh, sorry to interrupt you, Eric, but we briefly touched on it earlier, uh, talking about Larry Nance Jr., I was curious your your take on that trade because, you know, what we've seen, especially last season, is Derrick Jones Jr. didn't see a lot of time in the second half of the season, and nobody seems to know why. Um, obviously, he wasn't very he was good. Not, well, you know, and that begs the question, is it that he's not very good or he just wasn't utilized properly? Stutz said in a press conference why he wasn't playing him. He said he's a defender who doesn't do anything on defense. Like the 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 numbers with Jones on the court were no better defensively with him off the court. And all he does is slash to the hoop. And the Blazers are not. I mean, when you when you're playing with CJ and and Dame going outside in, it's not the you know and and for whatever reason Dame's passing skills seem to have deteriorated since 2014, which I am like just well, totally befuddled I by. Mean, when- when he puts up 50% of the shots, he doesn't have to pass. <laughs> uh, yeah, but I mean, I don't know. Like he like he seemed to be a much more diverse passer. And so maybe it's just a matter of opportunity. Maybe you're right, but I don't know. But, no, um, I've noticed that too. I think though. he just did. It, it's weird. Um, that's a whole, we can talk about that too. But um, <laughs> I, um, I I think he just wasn't very good. I mean, Miami benched him too. He's just like, and like, like Stuff said, he's, he's essentially... Hollis Jefferson, but just not as experienced. You know, absolutely no offensive game. The defense isn't improving with him on the court, so you might as well throw Norm out there and just score 140 points um, instead of scoring 130 with Jones. Well, and that's one of the things, too, that when you look at the Nance deal, people were like, oh, we gave up Derrick Jones and we had to give up a first-round pick. And I get giving up a first-round pick, but if you're going to win anywhere between 47 and 52, 53 games, which is where I, you know, I think that's Portland's window depending on how healthy they stay. You know, you, you, that pick is in the mid twenties, and that's a crapshoot that doesn't. I mean, doesn't often play out well. So you essentially traded a low first round pick in the twenties that is going to be a two, three, four year project for a guy who, you know, I think he was second in the league in deflections. You know, I, I know that's a that's a random out of left field stat, but when you hey, who was first in deflections? Roko. Roko. Yeah. So so now you got two guys who are. So you traded that guy. Before I go into that, you trade that guy, uh, Jones Jr. You trade that first round pick. You get Nance. But you really just traded the pick. Now you have 
two guys, and you, you can really play Nance at the three. You know, at six foot seven, he's not ex exceptionally tall. Obviously, neither is Covington. But now you have two guys that can defend, be a little bit more aggressive, cause some chaos on defense. Going back to what you said about Damian's passing, does that translate into any type of success knowing that the fast break, up-tempo style, run and gun, one, has never been a strong suit of Lillard or CJ, and two, neither of those guys uh, who would be handling that ball have really run any, anything like that their entire time in the league. Uh, I think that's probably where Norm comes in because he does play really well in the open court and he, he had like no one to run with essentially. And so I think he's going to be the happiest about Nance joining the team. Um, I, I I think it's a home run trade in a vacuum, like in Just isolation, a, like it's, it's a no brainer. <laughs> so you will not miss Derek Jones Jr. I mean, I, I'm, I'm like struggling not to be mean. Like I, I always try to be mean because like, you don't want to say, like, Man. I don't know. Like they're real, like they're they're all humans. You don't want to be a jerk, and like they, I don't know. He was um, my breakout player I, of the year this coming season until he got traded. He still could be. <laughs> <laughs> Not um, just in Chicago. <laughs> right. I, I, I think, but I think the thing here is like this is classical Shea. Like he 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 took he turned a first round draft pick and a mid level ex a full mid level exception into one mid level exception player. Those were two assets that could have been two players on the roster this season if they'd been used correctly. If he had signed a valuable mid-level exception player last year, we could have that guy and whoever he traded that first-round draft pick for right now. Um, and so it's a great trade in a vacuum, but it highlights the fact that we have one good player when we could have had two good players with those assets. I want to move forward a little bit to some, I guess, somewhat breaking news that came out today. Uh, ben Simmons. He no longer wants to be a Sixer. And he says uh, he wants to be traded to, what, one of three California teams? Is that right? The Warriors? What was it? Somebody the, help me it's out. It's LA Lakers, or the Warriors. Warriors. Any of the LA teams. But you should send his little sorry butt to Sacramento for being such a baby. <laughs> yeah, I mean. How do you like that, California? I guess what we're trying to ask you, I guess what we're trying to ask you here is, you know, it, it's been said that, Simmons doesn't want to play in Portland, but does Olshay make that trade happen and hope that maybe Billups and Dame can kind of reel him in and, and, and kind of change his mind on that? Or does he covet CJ way too much? Uh, I think you have to make the trade because we know the Dame and CJ roster, like we've seen where we've seen how this ends. Um, and so like, you know, if we're talking about mixing, like mixed, like making the coaching change to mix things up, um, like this is this is like the actual trade that needs to happen is cj for ben simmons he knew like if his value keeps if the i don't know there's this weird thing like we perceive his value as media and fans to be decreasing but you have the smartest gm in the nba sitting on the other side of the table like and he's not gonna he's not gonna panic trade him and that roster is good enough to stay afloat for 40 games with ben simmons yeah, sitting if at he home. sits out even if he sits right. out and so daryl morey of all people is not going to be like is not going to be baited into making a bad trade just because like out of impatience um and so so i think it's like i think if now it's on the table um i would want to know what draft picks are attached to cj because i really i'm, I'm really not confident that next like that damian lillard's staying for past this year um and so i think it comes down to how much do you have to add on to that um and what kind of commitment does lillard publicly state after a trade like that happens 
that makes sense i mean so if if the trade happens say they give up cj and whatever else they have to give up you know be it picks or whatever does does the team get that much better um i'm not convinced it's good enough but i'm convinced it's better and so if we're saying like we're trying to like like we're trying to you know move the move the chips around to give us our best all-in possibility um and you you can go from you know you can go from having a, a, a king and a queen to to two aces or whatever and go for it what about um, that three-team possibility with golden state with draymond coming to us I like I, I. It's hard to believe they trade Draymond at this point. He seems like a warrior for life. Like he and Curry play so well together. To um, obtain Ben I, Simmons. I, I. I mean, if that if that's on the table, then you take it in a heartbeat because, like Draymond is also better than CJ. I think um, from a team contributing and fits standpoint. Really well. Yeah. 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 So I. I think you take. I think you take either. Like Simmons. I think like. You know, it's it's unclear how much he adds to Portland if you swap CJ out. Um, I think it's probably a better team, but you could see the you could see it not working out. Like it'd be very like there's many scenarios where it doesn't work out. Draymond Green, it's hard to see a scenario where that wouldn't work out to improve the roster. Right, because Simmons and Dame both are ball dominant guards, but so are he and CJ. You know, Dame and CJ are both the same. But you know, I put it out there earlier today. You know, you look at a CJ and Simmons swap, and it makes a lot of sense for both teams because now you have a closer with Joel Embiid. In Philly, a guy that you can't double off of, you know, it opens up the paint and gives Embiid his ability to move. And it also gives him, you know, a legitimate 1A that can score at any given time, which he hasn't had. I mean, because even Jimmy Butler wasn't on that level as far as, you know, off his offensive efficiency. But then you bring Simmons over and you put, you slide him over at the three, you're able to move Norm down to the two. And now you have, you know, you have Simmons, Covington, Nurkic, or Simmons, Covington, Nance as your your front three. I mean, that's a man that makes me happy. Like, I get, like mm-hmm. makes my heart get warm when I think about all of the different <laughs> options that would be at you know the Blazers' disposal. But then one thing that I always wonder is Dame has publicly advocated on CJ's behalf for so long. Again, we go. <laughs> you say no, but. No, he has. How much of that brand takes a hit if he then endorses a trade for Ben Simmons? Well, he doesn't have to comment on everything. It's I mean, true. <laughs> just shut your mouth, dude. Like you're not helping right now. Um, I, I think that you know, like, like if we look at it, like he just, he doesn't have to comment. He can say, "All right, that's that's the that's the general manager's decision." and I think he's way more intimately involved than a lot of people seem to seem to be assuming. Um, I think he's 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 you know I think all the decisions are kind of going through him right now and uh, to an extent. Um, but he he doesn't have to play it that way. He could he could just go out publicly and say, um, I understand why Neil would make a trade like that, and it's not my job to decide who my teammates are. It's my job to work with my teammates. Love it. So Eric. And I'm not talking to the encyclopedia. Uh, NBA.com released their their power rankings, and they've got the Blazers at the eighth spot in the West or overall. Yeah, sorry, in the West. Yes, yeah. in the Western Conference. Uh, do you agree with that? Um, I'm pulling up my own standings right now to to do it in my head in 30 <laughs> seconds. Uh, let's take a look. Um, I well, think got, if we're doing it, go ahead. They, they got the Nuggets at six. And the Warriors at seven. They got us at eight. Grizzlies at nine. Timberwolves at ten. 
Yeah, so so here's the thing. I don't think you can look at the Blazers roster after losing convincingly to the Nuggets and say the Blazers are now better than the Nuggets because they got Larry Nance Jr. Um, and so like I think you like if you start to do it that way and you start to think about it in tears. Um, so you can't put them ahead of the Jazz or the Suns for obvious reasons right now because of the way those two teams played last year. Can't put them ahead of the Nuggets. Can't put them ahead of the Lakers with LeBron just by default. So that's four teams that no matter what you do, there's just no way you put them ahead of them. Um, so now you're down in that territory of like the Clippers. How good are the Clippers? Uh, probably better than the Blazers. So that's five. Now you're down to six, and that's where you get into the the Warriors, Mavericks, Grizzlies, all those teams. And that's about that's about right. So like, if you want to if you want to go like move them as high as six, I don't think anyone would complain about it. But I have a hard time putting them ahead of those any of those top five teams based on what we saw last year. Are you open to the possibility that this... do you see us in the play-in? Uh, no, just because the Blazers aren't going to load manage um, historically, and so they're going to some other team is going to load manage, or some other team is going to get worse injuries, and they're going to pass that team. Um, so, yeah, so I, I I think just by default they'll they'll end up in and and they'll fight for it. Like they, no one wants to be in the play-in, so I think they'll fight for that sixth seed. What's the ceiling? Do you think? I say they can get as high as fourth. That's under the right circumstances. Yeah, yeah, I mean. Yeah, I think that, I think that's about right. Like this is this is a as much as I am personally disappointed because I don't feel like they're impro- like like I don't feel like they're better than they were 30 months ago, and that is just like that is infuriating to me. Um, but as much as I don't think they're any better than they were 30 months ago, which is infuriating, um, I, you'd be an idiot you'd be an idiot to say it's not like a, a solid above average Western Conference team. So if everything like you know someone this Chris Paul gets hurt and the Suns drop off the face of the planet. Blazers could easily move up to the, one of those four, like into that four-five matchup, um, and there's really no distinction between the four-five. So, so the Blazers' win total is also set at, uh, I believe it's forty-three and a half games. Forty-four, mm-hmm. or excuse me, forty-four and a half games. What are you taking the over? Or are you taking the under? I take the over, but I wouldn't bet on it. Um, like if you said, just choose one with no money on it, take the over. Um, wait, just just way too many question marks. You got this new coach who's talking about like, oh, we shoot too many threes, um, and the, that's kind of what the Blazers are good at. Um, and so you you like you, you're kind of like, what's going on there? And that, like that makes you as a gambler worry a little bit. You see Lillard. Um, he has avoided major injuries through his career, but he's had nagging injuries because he refuses to take time off, you know, and now he basically didn't have an off season. And so you wonder, is this the year that he has the Clyde Drexler syndrome in 1993? Um, and so that's, I wouldn't bet the over on the Blazers because there's those two massive question marks hanging over us. That was what I, I mean, that, that is a, that is a, a excellent point. I will never forget that. That's one of my biggest, I, I mean, I love Clyde. I love the glide teams, but I think people have forgotten over time that his determination to go and get that gold medal in Barcelona really cost the 93 team who was really, really good. And people forget about how good they were. They started nine and one, you know, they started really well. And then Clyde's knee finally gave out because he postponed uh, rest and eventually had to have surgery. And I wonder too, like, man, we're talking about a shortened season, a condensed season coming off one of the weirdest seasons ever in the bubble. Dame is on the other side of 30 right now. How much more time do we have as far as watching him stay relatively injury free? It's a, 
that's a scary, scary scenario. And I mean, so that, and that to me is the argument. I mean, it's another wild card season. So we saw last year, the four teams that made the conference finals just fell apart. Um, and, and I would hypothesize that's because of fatigue, because there was basically no off season. Now we see a couple of those teams that were in the conference in the finals, had guys playing in the Olympics, basically no off season, the conference finalists also very short off season. The doors like I, the doors open for a team that did not go deep into the playoffs to do really well next year, because I think those top four teams are, are there by, by attrition are not going to be in the running. And so very similar to the Clyde situation as a Blazers fan, if you're hoping that everything breaks right and you can make a run, seeing Dame play in the Olympics as cool as it was, you're just like, like, what, what are we giving up in 2022 for that? Right. Right. Uh, since we're speaking of injuries, just uh, as an aside, how surprised were you to see Chris Paul avoid serious injury heading into the playoffs? Yeah, he, I was dumbfounded. <laughs> I mean, he like he he hasn't had like serious injury though traditionally has he? It's always been just like well, but bad. There's timing. always an there's always an injury that keeps him out of the playoffs. Yeah. It seems. Yeah, no, I think you're right. But it's like it's like he was his snake bit to an extent because like he had that hamstring injury in Game Six and they. They, they, you know, they beat the best team of all time if he doesn't get hurt. Um, <laughs> right. And that, that, like, that's just dumb luck that he happens. Or I don't know. Maybe, maybe, maybe he's doing the same thing Dame is doing. He's, he's like pushing himself to the absolute max, and so the nagging injuries are inevitable. Um, but it's, I, yeah, I was, I don't know. I was happy to see it. I like watching him play, so I was happy to see that they, they did as well as they did. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's hard. Even though he's a blazer killer, it's hard not to root for that guy. Um. And- we got one more question for you before we head into our little game. Uh, who do you have having a, having their breakout year this season, or if anybody? For the Blazers? Yep. Um, breakout year. See, that's a tough one because, like, I think I think Nurkic is going to because his injuries also have been pretty fluky. It's not like he's torn his ACL three times. It's like he. He stepped on someone's ankle and broke his butt, like broke a bone in double overtime type of stuff. And so I think, and a lot of people I think have written him off as an injury plague, like can't contribute consistently guy. And so it's weird to say breakout because he's had so many good stretches of games, but I think he's the guy who fans will be more solidly behind by the end of the season. Cause I, I think he does avoid some of that bad luck or I hope he avoids some of that bad luck he's had in the past. Yeah, no kidding. So you think his his he's not going to be injury prone this season, and maybe he flourishes in Chauncey's system, whatever system it may be. Yeah, I think. I mean, I think. I think the thing is, he like he's always been seemed to be smart, like about how many minutes he plays, and I'm sure that's the training staff, and the training staff didn't change, but they've always been willing to you know play him 20 minutes a game in a clear victory, and so my hope is that he avoids a lot, like just avoids some bad luck, and then he's he's he can be as effective as possible. Um, there's still a lot of holes in his game, but they're they're pretty fixable. So it's a matter of whether or not they can they can find a place for him to stand on defense, essentially, um, which seems possible. And uh, I think he's hopefully the guy who Blazers fans are most like change their opinion on um, by the end of the year. Sure. Uh, just to give you a little backstory, we've we've asked each other this as well, and um, uh, Eric chose Anthony. I think you mentioned that earlier, but. Um, and I think actually, Ben, you you'd let him know that you chose Nance, uh, but actually you chose the guy that I chose. So I I'm in 100% agreement with you. I think Nurk's <laughs> gonna have a 
you know, call it what you will, breakout season, just an improved season. Really. Comeback season. I think I think he's gonna do great. Comeback. There you go. Um, but that is it for the the main body of our show. None of you guys chose Nasir Little because he's the only guy Nobody. I see on Twitter. People. Wow. You know, Tough you know what? I, I was curious, though, and, and I'm curious what – thank you for reminding me about that. Uh, I'm curious your take before we head into this game. Um, Nasir Little was held out of Summer League. Um, there, I, I didn't see anything that really said why. My only thought was, you know, the conclusion I came to was maybe the coaching staff saw enough from him that they thought, okay, this guy's got – he's got his minutes carved out already. We, we know how we're going to use him. He's going to be good for us. Or maybe there was an injury. Weird, right it was objectively weird um and i can't imagine they're like we've seen enough from this guy who has barely played in two seasons right <laughs> so it makes me think there's something going on they you know they wanted to keep him away from a covid situation because he had a bad response when he had covid before That's a good point. um they there's some nagging injury that they don't want to disclose like you, you know because they like, I don't know how much you guys know about the training staff, but they literally, like, strap monitors on them and get, like, telemetry from the computer to say, like, you were jumping 3% harder with your right foot than your left foot, so we need to correct the imbalance, like, that 3% imbalance in your left foot versus your right foot. Like, that's the level of granularity they have in training now. And so there could be something like that going on where the training staff's like, eh, like, it's not a high risk that you're going to have a serious injury, but it's not a zero risk, and this is meaningless, so we're going to hold you out. Like, I could see... Or, who knows, maybe a relative. Like, it's just so weird that it could be anything in my mind. Well, I was going to say, I saw him, uh, I went over to Park Rose and watched him play in the Portland Pro-Am this summer. And, I mean, he lo- I mean, when he's playing against guys who are, you know, semi-professional athletes, overseas basketball players, college basketball players, he looked like he could hold his own. You know, so there was a, there was a thought in my mind that maybe they had seen some of that too and they just said, you know what, We've seen you. We've seen this. We have a couple open roster spots. There are some other guys that we need to see that maybe we can fill out because we're dead set on not using those last two roster spots right away with that uh, taxpayer exception, et cetera. We want to see if there's somebody that we can... Because I'm, I'm pretty sure you can break that up, right? You can split that between two players. So you can give... You know, I, and I was thinking Michael Beasley. I thought for sure that he was going to be a breakout guy, and unfortunately, he didn't pan out in summer league. But I thought maybe that was why they that the team just wanted to see if there was another player that they could add to the roster, and they wanted to give that opportunity to some of those guys on the summer league team. Yeah, I mean, it's not like certainly not. So, like I think anything like it was so weird because they just like he's not going to be there, no explanation given. I think it could be literally any of the stuff we talked about, or something we can't even conceive. Maybe he was getting packaged. <laughs> maybe it's like never maybe. the case everyone's always like oh he's out of game Portland, trade <laughs> blazers twitter is so funny man you i mean you see it every day just like i do it's like anytime there's any any movement of the needle it's like okay that guy's sitting because we're getting ready to trade him the trade machine comes up we have all these crazy yeah it's it's wild man blazers twitter is a wild place you know, I'm no, I'm no baseball fan. I, I could not care less about baseball, but I'd love a baseball team only because people would talk about something else in the summer. <laughs> uh, well, on that note, fellas, let's move in to our final segment. And that, of course, is giving props. Giving props here. Giving respect or credit due to a person or group of people doing amazing things in the world or some not amazing things in the world. So let's start off with number one. Officials in Freiburg, Switzerland 
said the local government is awarding 100 bottles of wine to each resident who reaches the age of 100. Do we give Switzerland props for giving 100 bottles of wine to each resident that reaches the age of 100? And a little backstory to this is that they used to offer an armchair to their residents who turned 100 <laughs> years old. That didn't that didn't go very well with the people turning 100. Most people declined that offer. So then they changed the program into offering charitable donations or vouchers at local merchants, which picked up a little more. You know, in, in 2020 they had 27 cent, centurions. Is that is that the word? People that turned 100. I think, I think that's right. Mm-hmm. Uh, but this year they're offering 100 bottles of wine, and their first resident turning 100 on November 5th is a resident by the name of Marie Antoinette. <laughs> so, long story short, props or no props, let's start with the guest. Uh, I actually like I actually do aging-related stuff in my day job quite a lot, so I, I, I'm appreciative you brought this to my attention because I didn't know that, so I'm going to file that away. Um, it's, so the, the word is centenarian. Uh, just you. to get that, like, fact check that. And a super centenarian is someone who's 110 and over, um, which is happening more and more often. Like, Japan has a lot of super centenarians, and there's some in Western Europe. But anyway, um, I am all for giving old people stuff. Like, we, we kind of ignore old people in the United States. So if someone wants to give them 100 bottles of wine to give to their great-grandchildren or whatever, I say go crazy. <laughs> Good for them. Encyclopedia? It almost feels like population control. <laughs> but no absolutely i feel like uh you should definitely be able to pop a bottle or you know 100 if you get to triple digits at any time so yeah mad props for that because but although I, I will add you know what kind of wine are we getting in switzerland you know we're not talking about el- french wine elaborate. italian wine where you know or even over here in the willamette valley I, is switzerland known for its wine or more like seems like it would be banking like they could give them some money (laughs) (laughs) okay uh tim moving on what do you think yeah you know i was gonna say why not just give them a few thousand dollars because i mean figure if it's decent wine you're talking what like 20 to 30 bucks a bottle uh personally i would rather go with the armchair if i'm gonna be 100 years old i need something comfortable to sit in because i'm not moving much i gotta i gotta tell you that right now uh so i um i'm gonna say no props actually i'm gonna say no props because i want the armchair no props okay <laughs> i gotta know if it's a recliner you're just sitting there on a regular it's, ass it's got hold on it's it gotta be, be right? a recliner it's gotta be or one of those like ones true. that push you up to stand you know that help you stand yeah up. buddy I mean, give me the top of the line lazy boy. Actually, they should install those stair things, you know? Like on the Sopranos, that stair chair thing. That's what they should do for them. Yeah, buddy. (laughs) Okay, that's number one. Number two, sticking with the theme of some Guinness World Records. I know that's Encyclopedia's favorite topic. An Idaho man breaks a Guinness World Record for moving 133 thumbtacks from one corkboard to another in under a minute. <laughs> uh, you got to start with the encyclopedia on <laughs> <Yeah>. that one. <laughs> the, it, it, the tax also had to remain in place for at least 10 seconds after being placed on the new board. Do you remember that scene in Meet I'm the sorry. Fockers <laughs> where 
they go to Florida and they meet, you know, Ben Stiller's parents and he's got like the wall of 10th place medals and participation trophies and ribbons. <laughs> that is what the Guinness Book of World Records has been reduced to. In absolutely no way will I give something so stupid props. Ever. So, so you're saying keep finding some more world records for this is to, ridiculous. To this is worse out. than the lady that ran on four legs, and that is saying something. That was pretty terrible. <laughs> Eric, you got any feedback on this one? No, I, I'm, I'm going no props. Like, I did you guys see the walnut crushing one minute world record video? <laughs> no, I didn't. Yeah, I'm gonna drop it in the chat, but long story short, it's just these dudes like running down a table, smashing their forehead into walnuts and trying to crack as many as they can in one minute. And they, they like, they pull their heads up. It looks like like freaking dusty roads with like blow <laughs> face, like, and that, like that turned me off to any Guinness book of world records, anything. Cause it's just like, what are we doing? Like, what are we doing here? Like we're, we're like, come on. So no, no props. None it's like Guinness book of stupidity, <laughs> Eric, you, man. I, that's what it is. It's like, Exactly. I'll, I'll tell you what we're doing. We're living in a pandemic where people have been isolated for far too long and have way too much time on their hands. Uh, I'm with you guys, though. I can't give this props. Not at all. Thumbtacks. All right. But, uh, yeah, man. You know what Come the most on, impressive you know, thing I've ever seen with thumbtacks thumb is? Mick Foley taking like 500 <laughs> during that bump from The Undertaker in the Hell in the Cell. That's impressive. That should be in the Guinness Book of World Records. Okay. I agree. So safe to say that was a no props across the board. Now let's move into number three. It's not, I don't know if it's a really a props, but a lot of people, I'm sure you all have seen this photo that has surfaced recently of a car in the McDonald's drive through with a live cow sitting in the back seat. Have it ever, has everybody seen that photo? Negative. What? You guys have not seen that photo? It's just kind of ironic that the car is in the McDonald's drive-through with a live car sitting in the back of a sedan, mind you, not a truck. Blazers Twitter's what? too vegetarian, Wait. I guess. <laughs> yeah. Penetrate Blazers Twitter. Yes. How big was this cow? It couldn't have been full size. Well, here's here's some backstory. The cow, you know, was just purchased from an animal fair. You know, so it, it it was a small calf. You know, and, and turns out that there were three of them Veal is in good. the back seat. You've never had it. What? Three. Yeah. The girl that video recorded it only saw the one, and she thought it was fake, obviously, until it moved. But turns out that there were three of them in the back seat. I mean, Did this isn't really a props or, or no props. This is more like a, a, a WTF moment. So you know. <laughs> Uh, were they trying to sell the cows? No, he was making a pit stop on the way back from the animal fair. <laughs> yes. What they do about all the couch vaccines? <laughs> right? <laughs> uh, this is out in Wisconsin, so I don't think they really cared. No, you know, probably it's probably it's, you know coded already. It's the Wisconsin air freshener, actually. Illinois <laughs> too, right? Oh yeah, that's I, rough. Um, go ahead, Ben or Tim. Sorry. I'm, I'm, I don't even know what to say about this. Uh, I'll, I'll give it props because it's funny. <laughs> like I said, I didn't know if it was props and I just figured I'd do, you know, liven it up a little bit with a, you know, a cow in the McDonald's drive-thru, you know, in the backseat of a sedan. Let's be, you know, now there's three of them. So, okay. I'm going to say, I'm, sorry, go ahead. Yeah, go ahead, Eric. I was going to go around the horn. I'm going to say no props. I uh, I don't know. I feel like treat animals, even if you're going to eat them, treat the animals nice before you eat them. Like, 
Don't jam it in the back of a car. Come on. He was giving them a ride in a luxury vehicle. <laughs> yeah, I think they would have liked the trailer better, though. You know, they're not, it does they're look not like bipedal. A they can't sit down. <laughs> was this was That's this a case of like cannibalism too? Was he like buying for the cows too? Oh yeah, fed it fed it to the cows. That's pretty. I would not up. want McDonald's tasting. No yeah, I don't want my beef to taste like it's from McDonald's. Even yeah, if, even even their maybe. fries are fried in beef flavoring, so you know it's just unavoidable there at McDonald's. Uh, that I didn't know. What? What did you say? Their fries I, are, I didn't yeah, know. They're fried in beef oil or beef flavoring. Didn't they change that so they could say they're or oh they still flavor it maybe? Because like I know they used to cook them like in beef tallow, but they changed it so they could say they're vegetarian. I think. Drop some beef bouillon in there or something. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so I'm gonna just say no props if there were props to give on that one. Well, Tim, you kind of did, but but what no, I changed it. You changed, I changed it. it. Okay, okay. I would just like Let's to say before on. we go any further, if you've never had veal. You don't know what you're missing. Unless you're and, Well, that's true. And, you know, and to all our vegetarian listeners, I apologize, but flesh from a little baby calf is so tasty. You've never tasted anything like it. I'd love to know how many vegetarian listeners you guys have. Uh, I think we're about to find out. <laughs> As the numbers drop. Okay. <laughs> yeah, Peter's going to be knocking on the door. Uh, we have a bonus fourth one for this episode. So, in, in a Virginia school board meeting, someone just played a hilarious, quote, Simpsons mm-hmm. prank by nominating some people on the school board, such as Phil McCracken, Eileen Dover, and other ones I can't mention right now, as uh, <laughs> brought to my attention by Tim when he said them out loud. Uh, but these, these names were, were said publicly uh, at Thursday's meeting at the Henrico School Board. You know, do we give the give this group props for putting in these names and actually getting them said at the school board meeting, Eric? I'm gonna say yeah, and um, you know, I give the guy reading the props too because if you watch, I watched it twice, and the second time because it looks like when he says I leaned over, he gets it, and then you, but at the very beginning of the video, the thing that's happening before him is it's like some crazy lady doing like an anti-mask, like insane rant. And I, I think he was just like done with like whatever's going on in that meeting. And he's like, you know what? I'm finishing this full list of stupid names, even though I know exactly what's going on because it's no more stupid than anything else. So props to him and to the and to the kids who called it in. Yeah, I mean, there's some pretty explicit ones in the last three that said, you know, when you re- say them, when someone else says them out loud, you kind of hear it and you're just like, okay, that's that's ridiculous. So you know, we, we can't say that on our on our fan on our family friendly pod here yeah, but eric can. props oh absolutely man i'm i loved it <laughs> i think i watched it three or four times like it, you just one the kids having the guts to do that whoever called that in and whoever lined that up you know kudos to those guys and to the city commissioner who played along and just kind of went with it like eric said because it made for and maybe he did it because he knew he was on closed circuit TV and it would finally it would eventually make the rounds and it was good publicity but I mean it was that was gold that was gold there we go Tim round it out man yeah I'm gonna give that props because I mean as a as a kid who who wouldn't want to pull off something like that we all thought about it we all watched The Simpsons right like we all poor Mo. we all thought about it oh, oh my yeah. god poor Mo so I'm, I I thought it was hilarious. 
I have, like, so I have watched The Simpsons, but I'm a little less religious about it than the Portland Trailblazers. So were these original names that these kids came up with to call in, or did they just steal them all? Some of them were, but some of them weren't. Some of them, yeah. Some of the more explicit ones were uh, more recent additions, I think, to the the prank library. Suk and Ophelia? Yes, those. Yes, yes. yes. (laughs) Last names will be... uh edited we could beep yeah. beep them out now hold on I, i'm gonna add <laughs> yeah. one though I'm, it, it doesn't have to be props or are we gonna talk about bishop sycamore oh do you guys do you guys hear about this yeah. tim uh, ben yeah i heard about it I, I give him props for, for firing well him. i mean img is where anthony came out of right so th- there is a little bit of a blazer connection there as well but you know ESPN is ESPN oh, and for like them to get had stuff. holy cow that was an amazing story that was <laughs> it, not to mention the fact that they got romped I think 56 nothing on 58 58 nothing 58 nothing but ESPN getting bamboozled like that has got to be that's got to be something props or not worthy or <laughs> I mean, yeah, I mean, I'll give them props for bamboozling ESPN because, you know, that doesn't happen often. But uh, I also have to give them, uh, you know, the props to the firing. That's ridiculous. Yeah, how do you have an outstanding warrant? You decide, like, the best place for me to go and hide out is a nationally broadcast football game. (laughs) Eric, what do you think? Um... So I, I don't know, I was a little more, I, I have some like moral qualms with these, these football and basketball factory schools like IMG Academy. And so kind of what I, what came like the ESPN did not talk about and that like the awful announcing article didn't mention was what the hell is IMG doing? They played this school last year. They know what's going on and they agree to play them again. Like, <laughs> come on, like it's just, it's, it's very exploitative of the kids who are actually like on the team and like, you know, trying to play football. And so I get a little annoyed at these powerhouse schools that are already like pretty questionable when they then go into right, that, which is probably not the lighthearted answer we should. Well, be no, about. absolutely, but go off. I mean, because yeah. there are some ethics involved here that, and I read a thread about you know where Bishop Sycamore is actually from mm-hmm. and what they're, you know, they're not a made-up school. They're just not a IMG academy, and they fudge their rules and their ethics a little bit to get a little bit of exposure probably hoping that they could finally get some of the recruits that they were looking for but yeah there's definitely some ethic ethics involved and like what's what's happening to so like Anthony Simons made the NBA good for him like what's happening to his, his teammates though who don't make the NBA and maybe like don't make a million dollars playing abroad like did they get a decent enough high school education to like survive in life and so I, I don't know I just I worry about that with this because we, we see these success stories and I just don't know enough about like what the human cost is for everyone else involved right. sure sure well not the uh, happiest note to end on <laughs> alright guys <laughs> we are we are going to wrap it up at this point Eric it was a pleasure having you on man thank you so much um, we give like the last little bit to all of our guests to kind of um, let our listeners know where they can find you, what they should look forward to uh, going forward. So uh, the next little bit is all yours. 
I am on Eric G underscore NBA on Twitter. That's E-R-I-C-G underscore NBA. If you take enough time to type that into your browser, please just click follow. It's a very small effort compared to typing all that out. That's all. Right on, right on. All right, well, fellas, I got to give you guys a shout out to Encyclopedia uh blazer ben thank you so much uh for everything you do uh it's always a pleasure having you guys on uh big shout out to the basketball podcast network DraftKings, and especially you our listeners our twitter followers and our bucket busters you make it so easy to keep stepping up to this mic keep reaching out to us on twitter at, at busted bucket with your comments and questions we love building community with you Check out our website, bustedbucketpod.com, and our merch store, store.bustedbucketpod.com, where everything you buy contributes to community projects in the future. Thank you all for your continued support. Ben, you know what time it is. That's a wrap for this episode. Don't forget to rate, follow, and subscribe if you're digging what we're saying. Be good to each other out there, Rip City. We'll catch you next time on the Busted Bucket Podcast. Thanks for listening.